I'm Michelle Morvan in the marketing department of Callaway's Nursery. Dallas-Fort Worth is our home. We're proud to present this hour of Neil Sperry's Texas Gardening. And now, here's Neil. Thank you, Michelle. Thank you very, very much. And to all who are listening, thank you for tuning in on this beautiful Sunday morning. Oh, my goodness, it's going to be a pretty day. Pretty day to get out in the orchard, out in the vineyard, get out and celebrate the fruit and pecan trees, the grapevines. That's what we're going to be doing today as we have for, I think, 44 years. I'll ask my guest, Dr. George Ray McKeachin, retired recently from Texas A&M, where he has been the extension and uh, beyond that even, the uh, the fruit and pecan specialist for all of that time. A longtime friend of mine and a longtime guest on this program on the same day as the Super Bowl. So that's our topic today. When you call, please do not call with ornamental uh, uh, landscape and garden plants, just fruit and pecan questions. This is not my strong suit. That's why I turn this program once a year over to George Ray. My job is to uh, uh, moderate the uh, program and step back out of the way so and let the, the real specialist help you. It's an opportunity for you that you just don't get every day. So take advantage of it. The phone number is 800-288-WBAP, 800-288-9227. Call right now. Take my advice. 800 288 wbap 800-288-9227. We will have our feature with Steve Huddleston in just a moment. Then I'll have our first break, and then we'll get the program underway. But I want you to call and get the phone lines filled up for us. 800-288-9227. I invited my uh, 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 eGardens readers to uh, submit their questions uh, Thursday night, Friday morning. Uh, and uh, so we'll have some questions that were sent in by them as well, where we have a little spare time here and there. And I'll give those to George Ray. I tried to send them to him last night. I don't know if the email that I was using was is still active or not, his old Texas A&M email. So, oh, well, we'll, uh, we'll find out. There is no stumper in them, so I think uh, all of them will be pretty uh, easy lobs for him to hit. Um, what else do we need to tell you about i think that pretty well covers it uh, mike bass is running the boards and fielding the calls and uh, so be kind to him when you call through so that's important mike is very important to me let's go to steve huddleston public relations manager of the fort worth botanic garden as we roll this program out of the garage and out into public view today steve good morning yes good morning neil Appreciate you joining us, and you're going to talk about a couple of fruit-bearing plants, or one in particular that uh, is kind of a novelty. Tell us about it. Well, that is jujube. Uh, this is a deciduous tree native from southeastern Europe to China, growing 15 to 30 feet tall with a rounded or vase form. The branches typically have thorns and can be drooping in appearance. The fruit is edible, quite edible. Uh, those fruits mature from green with an apple-like texture, and taste to a brownish-purple wrinkled fruit that tastes more like a date. Uh, So this fruit can be eaten raw, dried, or cooked. Uh, The fruit set may not occur in the northernmost zone due to a shorter growing season. Uh, This tree is adapted to USDA hardiness zones 6A to 9B. So again, probably more fruit production in the southern part of those zones than in the northern part because of the longer growing season. It's a very pretty plant. It uh, has very glossy leaves. It tends to be, um, it can make kind of a clumping shrub growth 
uh, as well as a tree, can't it? It, it does send up sprouts, so that is something. It yes, it, it can colonize, yes. Uh, it prefers warm and somewhat dry climates, and it is very tolerant of alkaline soils. It will grow in full sun to partial shade and prefers well-drained but moist soils. It will tolerate poor soils and drought, and uh, this is an ideal tree for use in an edible garden, an Asian garden, or a naturalized setting. But it does have a tendency to colonize, yes. Yeah. All right, that's uh, Zizophus jujuba, one of the last entries in any encyclopedia of plants. Yeah. <laughs> so there you go. Z-I-Z-I-P-H-U-S. Well. Yes. Yeah, well, I, like I tried. I, I practiced. Yeah, Zizophus. Yeah. Yeah, there you are. Uh, okay, so that's a featured plant because it is a fruit-bearing plant, and I love the phrase highly edible. I was going to ask you when the last one was that you ate, but I didn't know if your memory went back that far. Maybe you eat well, more than I do. It's been a while, yes. You know, we've even had people come into the garden, and they know that it's an edible tree. In fact, we had some, some ladies come in there, and they threw their purses up in the tree to, to knock the fruit down. Well, their purses got caught up in the tree, so we had to throw, <laughs> we had to throw more objects up in the tree to bring their purses out of the tree. I'd so like to see it, it. It was quite interesting, yes. All right. And you have events coming up. Tell us about them. Well, we have an art exhibit uh, that is free and open to the public on the first floor of the Brick Building. And that event runs February 17th through June 30th. Uh, it's uh, an event called Dorneth Doherty. She's the artist. And the title of the event is Illuminations, Past, Present, and Future of Fern Research. Uh, reception and panel discussion launches the exhibit this Friday, the 17th, at 7 p.m. in the Brit Building. The panel includes the artist, our fern research botanist, and the herbarium director. And needless to say, this event will be a great opportunity to make new fronds. Uh, light refreshments will be served. Um, there's a lot more to ferns than most people realize. It's a, oh, yeah. An incredibly interesting group of plants. And then uh, just in, in quick passing, I know you didn't put it in your notes, the orchid uh, event. Tell us about that. Well, that's coming up as well. That's our big event. It runs February 24th through April 9th. I'll have more to say about that next week. But we are filling the conservatory with thousands of orchids that will be on display during that exhibit. Uh, it will be fantastic. So I'll, Conservatory I'll, I'll is closed right now. Is that right? Yes. Yes, right. yes. Getting as ready we for stock it. it. As we stock it for the exhibit, yes. Sure. All those details, folks, will be at the website. And we're about to give you the website for the Fort. See if you can figure out what it is. Fort Worth Botanic Garden. What would that website be? Yes, that is fwbg.org. How do they find you, Steve? We are just north of I-30 on University Drive across from Trinity Park. All right. And there probably are still some folks out there who would like, while they're out driving around, to punch in a 24-hour information phone line. What would that number Yes, be? yes, that is 817-463-4160. All right. Good enough. Appreciate that very much. Steve yeah. Huddleston, Public Relations Manager of the Fort Worth Botanic Garden. Thank you, my friend. Thank you. All right. Whoa, there he goes. He's headed off to church. Let me tell you, that was sponsored today by Sunburst Shutters. You might be thinking about replacing your old window treatments with beautiful plantation-style shutters. And if that's in the cards for you, Sunburst Shutters is ready and willing and ever so able. Nice people. And they use an engineered wood substitute product called Polywood. Polywood is designed specifically for shutter applications. Now, these are large louvers, two and a half, three and a half, and four and a half inch louver size. 
And uh, the bigger the louver, the wider the louver, the fewer lines you see when you have them opened wide open. These operate so easily with one finger, and they clean so easily because they are so smooth. They, there is no wood in sunburst shutters, but they look like wood. They're white or off-white, and they are custom-fit to every opening in your house. So they measure each opening, even though they're all the same size theoretically. When the tape and bed work is done, they no longer are the same size. They're custom fit, which is why they are so light, tight, and so energy-saving. That's sunburst shutters. You have to see them to believe them, and once you believe them and once you see them, you're going to want to have them. That was our case. We love ours. They're available in Houston, San Antonio, Austin, and Waco as well, and certainly in the Metroplex. 214-343-2601. Proud to recommend them to you. SunburstShutters.com. Set a time for them to bring them to your home to show you. SunburstShutters.com. 214-343-2601. I'm Lori with Callaway's Nursery in North Arlington. We're proud to present this hour of Neil Sperry's Texas Gardening. And now, back to Neil. Thank you, Lori, very much. Appreciate that. It is my distinct pleasure now to welcome to our microphones for he will tell us what year it is. I think it's the 44th year. Uh, Dr. George Ray McEachern. George Ray is a longtime friend of mine, and for many of those years he has worked for the uh, Texas AgriLife Extension uh, of Texas A&M. He retired and then came back and, and was a, a fruit and, and grape specialist, wine specialist for Texas A&M. And now I think he is fully retired and doing consulting work. So, George Ray, good morning. Good morning. Appreciate you. Do you know that? Yes, sir. Yeah. You did? That's good. Me that too. is good. I appreciate you. <laughs> well, you do wonderful work, and, and you're a, a legend in our state, and we're lucky to have you and to have had all of that good time. How many years is this we've been together on, on radio? Well, my book says 41, but if 44 could both are close enough. Best, guess what? It's a long time. <laughs> George Ray, when we work together, I think we both would agree that it seems like 44. <laughs> yeah, it's so a long anyway, time ago. 41. I'll change my notes. That's good. Uh, but I appreciate it very much. Um, I have some questions that people have called in. I have quite, or uh, we will have, and I have questions people have written in to me. Uh, but let's start out with one that has been called in right now, and that's uh, uh, Jeff and Richardson. We'll go ahead and take one that's just right off the bat here. Jeff, uh, George Ray is with you. What's your question today? Good morning, Neil and George. I have a question. Neil, I talked to you in the summer. I have a uh, pecan tree that's about a 10 to 12-inch uh, circumference at the base. And in the summer, there were some branches with dead leaves. Well, all the leaves now have fallen, but those branches with the dead leaves are still there. Should I cut those branches off? No, they're okay. What has happened is, uh, surprisingly, leaf abscission is a growth process, and there's a little layer of cells between the leaf and the stem. If something happens that interrupts that natural abscission, the leaves will stay on the tree. Now, uh, you can cut a, you can pull one limb down and cut the limb and see if the, the bark and the area between the bark and the wood we call the cambium, if that area is all dead, well, then you can remove the whole deal. But if, if when you cut through that little stem, it's still green, leave it on, it, there's a good possibility it'll come back in the spring. And, and what, what has probably happened is, is you've gotten enough coal to kill the leaves, but not to kill the stem. Okay, good. Appreciate it. 
God bless you guys. Have a great day. Thank you, Jeff. Thanks for the call. All right, that opens a line. If you'd like to call, here's the number, 800-288-WBAP, 800-288-9227. Please call right now. Don't be calling at a quarter of 10 saying, man, I never can get in. I always always try, never can get in. Well, try now. You can get in if you call now, 800-288-9227. Niels Ray's Lone Star Gardening might be the only gardening reference book you'll need to be successful here in Texas. It's a hardback with 344 pages, 840 of my photographs, and I printed it in Texas at Clear Visions in San Antonio. I self-published this book because I just was tired of dealing with publishing houses. It does mean that you have to hire your own editor and you hire your own graphic designer, but I knew who I wanted, so that part was easy. It means you have to prepay before they'll print the book for you. That part wasn't so easy. (laughs) Not at all. But anyway, I digress. Eleven chapters cover lawns, trees, shrubs, vines, ground covers, annual and perennial flowers, fruit and vegetables. Covers it all for every county in Texas. Chapter 2 is very special because it's a calendar. It's a 48-page calendar with four pages per month telling you when you need to plant, prune, fertilize, and spray all of the plants in your landscape and garden. You turn the page, and there is everything you need to do in February or March or whatever. No longer will you ask, Neil, when should I do this or that? Your satisfaction is fully guaranteed, or I'll refund every penny that you spend on the book. I've said that all the way through. Six printings were we're in now, and not one request for a refund. I sign every copy as it sells, and for that reason, the book is not in stores, and it's not on Amazon. I do have it on sale right now, because it's tough economic times for everybody. So it's uh, marked down to thirty-six ninety-five if you act immediately. Order it from my office weekdays, 800-752-GROW. That's 800-752-4769. But the better way is to order it from my website at neilsperry.com. Do that right now. N-E-I-L-S-P-E-R-R-Y.com. So much better than the old cowboy boot book, Neil Sperry's Lone Star Gardening. Nobody will do you a better foundation repair job than Advanced Foundation Repair. Their estimates are absolutely free. Their work is very affordable. They invite you to give them a call. 214-333-0003. Their work is guaranteed for the lifetime of your house. Do what we did. Call Advanced Foundation Repair. On the web, it's foundationrepairs.com. 214-333-0003. Advanced Foundation Repair. Hello friends, this is Tommy Brummett, pastor of First United Methodist Church in downtown McKinney, inviting you to join us for worship. You can join us in person in McKinney and in Melissa, or join us online. Find out all options at sharingtheheart.org. First United Methodist Church, where the love of God is proclaimed and everyone is welcome. We love our church, and we would welcome you to uh, uh, to join us. The First United Methodist Church of downtown McKinney, historic church, at 315 North Church Street. Services are at 8, 9, 10.05. That's the one that live streams, and 11.10. All of it available to you through sharingtheheart.org. 
And uh, let me tell you right now about Arborological Services. I always like to say that they are the only people who will ever touch our trees because that is certainly the case. They are the experts your trees deserve. Says that right on their trucks. Serving the Metroplex with the finest in tree care since 1981. More than 10 International Society of Arboriculture certified arborists. Those are men and women who have studied the tough exams and passed them and and, uh, have set themselves apart as being outstanding arborists. College degreed plant pathologists, horticulturists, and foresters. Three of their people have been selected as Texas Arborists of the Year. And uh, that's a singular award. One person per year is so designated. And three of their people have been so selected in the last 20 years since that award was first given. Uh, We have a 13-time Texas State tree climbing champion and a one-time North American tree climbing champion on the cruise. That's just the credentials. Now, they do all kinds of tree work. If you just need to have somebody taking care of your trees, they certainly do that every day, fertilizing, pruning, things of that sort. But then cabling and bracing, lightning arrest, they do consultation, damage appraisement, and settlement. Uh, They do all. The phone number sounds like there's some national organization. They are strictly local. 866-552-7267. Arborological.com on the website. Uh, Facebook, Arborological Services, Inc., Twitter, at The Tree Experts. And one more time, that phone number for the finest in tree care, 866-552-7267, Arborological Services. Neil Speary and Callaway's go back since our nurseries opened. I'm Wendy Vanderbeck with Callaway's in South Fort Worth. And now, back to Neil. Thank you, Wendy. Longtime friend. She's a sweet person. Let me go back to the phone lines with Dr. George Ray McKeachern, fruit and pecan specialist, retired now just recently from Texas A&M. And uh, let me go to uh, Harry. We'll take uh, the call from Harry in Waxahachie. Harry, this is Neil with George Ray. Good morning. Hey, good morning, sir. Neil, you helped me last year. I had a pear tree, a kind uh, pear tree that had fire blight. I went to Callaway's, and the, the gentleman there told me I, what I had to do, and I, I basically butchered this tree. No. But I just want to know—I just want to know if there's something that I can start now, like a preemptive strike, to prevent that from happening again this year. All right, and let me let me intercede here to say that George Ray Eric S from Fort Worth has also sent us a question about preventing fire blight, asking if for home and commercial orchards, uh, if there are anything, uh, any other products other than AgriStrep that have come into the marketplace. So I'll let you do both answers at the same time. Great. All right, fire blight is the problem. Uh, you know, they we can't grow pears in the south because of two reasons. You can't eat the fruit while you hold it in the hand. In other words, we can grow only hard varieties. The only reason we grow hard varieties is all the soft varieties from California and New York are highly susceptible to fire blight. So rule one is grow the varieties that are resistant to fire blight. This includes uh, uh, Orient, Leconte. And, and a long list of other varieties. Uh, the second thing is, is never stimulate growth on a pear tree. Fire blight always enters on new growth. So never fertilize, never prune heavy, never uh, water, you know, meticulously. If the tree is growing slow, the probability of fire blight is a lot less. Okay, sir, thank you very much, because, yeah, I did just about everything that you, you spoke <laughs> of 
last year. I over, <laughs> I over uh, fertilized it. I overwatered it. And, of course, whenever fire blight started, I, I started trimming just a little bit of the tree back, and it just kept going down the stems, and I just had to keep cutting. So, hopefully Do you know the I'll, name of the variety? Yes, sir. It's a, I think they call it a kefir or kefir pear tree. It's Kiefer, yeah, well, that one that one has uh, there's one thing good about kefir. Kefir re- will fire blight, cut it out, and the tree will continue to be good. Some trees uh, the disease propagates through, but it seems to be isolated in kefir. So don't kill the tree; just as it develops, cut it out, and you will be in good shape. Okay, sir. Thank you very much, and y'all have a great day today. Thank you very much, Harry, for the call. George Ray, yeah. the uh, the fire blight uh, spray schedule. Uh, tell us how to how to know when it's time to spray. Well, we don't spray for pears. Now, if you have something that you recommend for people, you you may go ahead and do it. But we have uh, what's antibiotics that you can spray. And to be perfectly honest with you, I have never sprayed an antibiotic on a pear to to protect it. And I have. Lots of pear trees down at the Texas A&M pecan orchard. We just cut it out when it develops and live with what nature lets us have. I've never heard you say that before. I just learned something. <laughs> I'm sorry. you didn't No, that's that. fine. That's a good question. Yeah. A lot of the recommendations say a spray agri-strip uh, at the uh, time of bloom to keep it from, from entering. It comes in on bees, does it not? Well, uh, I do not know. I'm afraid to say something that I don't know anything about. So I've never sprayed AgriStrip, so I don't know what the effect on bees is. Okay. All right. All right. Fair enough. That's good. Well, I learned something, and I'll do some more research, too, but good, good job. All right. I need to take a break. We have a news break coming up. We will come back to Alan in Keller. If you'd like to be the next call after Alan, it's 800-288-WBAP, 800-288-9227. If you have just joined us, we are visiting all day today with Dr. George Ray McEachin, retired and and, um, I think emeritus. Is that not uh, deserving and uh, in place now? in place i guess i'm lucky yeah and you are <laughs> deserving there's no, there's no no I'm luck involved in, yeah there's no luck involved in that one good grief but anyway he is uh he is finally retired but not very long ago and he is still doing a lot of work to stay in the industry but anyway i, I digress we are talking all fruit and pecans until 10 o'clock today this is the one time a year um i think we're allowed to kind of smudge in on the super bowl sunday is when it happens every year so uh, that's the nature. Don't call with the uh, begonia questions today. We'll handle those next week. Uh, let me tell you about Mueller right now. Mueller for your own storage. It seems like these days temporary storage facilities are on every street corner. But let's do a little bit of math. For what you're paying in yearly costs for that storage room, you could own your own metal storage building right there in your own backyard, and you'd own it. That happens with a Mueller backyard building. Their backyard building kits are easy to assemble with bolt-together design, and they're priced right. You keep your stuff at home, and you're not throwing away money by leasing storage. Their kits come in a variety of sizes with more than 30 colors from which to choose, and that adds color to your storage space. If you need a larger storage solution, Mueller's pre-engineered standard series buildings can accommodate almost any need. Whether it's a smaller place for a lawnmower, a place for cars, boats, or even an RV, you can have peace of mind that a Mueller Metal Building will protect those treasures at a reasonable price. See all the options at MuellerInc.com or give them a call at 877-2-MUELLER. 
877-268-3553. Mueller, made in America and made to last. DFW's News, Talk, Traffic, and Weather Station. News Talk 820, WBAP. And KPLX 99.5 FM HD2. A cumulus media station. Trending now. Reacting to another flying object shot down from North American skies. I'm Clayton Neville at the WBAP 24-7 News Desk. ClassicChevrolet.com, WBAP, first traffic and weather. On the ones. couple issues out there. We do have some good news, though. Let's get to it. That car fire is cleared from I-35E northbound at Walnut Hill. It was an active scene for a couple hours. Traffic moving again there. In Arlington, the accident at I-30 eastbound at Fielder has cleared. And the accident clearing over in Forest Hill, I-20 westbound at Forest Hill Drive. Things are moving now there. In Tarrant County, Arlington, an accident blocking three left lanes, 360 southbound at Abrams, and the accident just clearing now in Dallas, Westmoreland Road, southbound at Commerce Street. With WBAP's First Traffic on the Ones, I'm Clayton Neville. Your WBAP forecast, partly cloudy today with a high near 66 degrees, cooler tonight, a low around 42. Right now, the slow warm-up, it's 38 degrees in Dallas, 37 in Fort Worth. Lawmakers are calling for answers about what's occurring in the skies after more aerial objects are shot down by the U.S. military. Yesterday, an aerial object was taken out over Canada. This comes after White House officials revealed the U.S. military shot down a high-altitude object over Alaska on Friday. Last week, of course, an F-22 fighter jet took down a suspected Chinese spy balloon off the South Carolina coast. Republican Congresswoman Nancy Mace shares her concerns on Fox and Friends Weekend. It's very disturbing to me. We've had now, what, three or four, maybe five incidences over the last 10 days. And I have a lot of questions than answers right now. Why are we only now detecting these and seeing these items? And why haven't they been shot down before? If they've been over U.S. airspace, why are we taking so long to take down these objects? Also over the weekend, the FAA briefly shut down airspace over a portion of Montana with NORAD issuing a statement saying that it detected a radar anomaly. According to the statement, an aircraft was sent to investigate but apparently didn't identify any object that matched what they saw on radar. And it's Super Bowl Sunday. The Eagles and Chiefs kick off around 530 Central tonight from Arizona. Again, the high temperature 66 degrees right now, 38 in Dallas, 37 in Fort Worth. I'm Clayton Neville, our next news update at 9 o'clock. Check back several times throughout your day and stay informed with News Talk 820 WBAP, 99.5 FM HD2 and WBAP.com. Thank you, Clayton. One of the really exciting hobbies you can cultivate within your garden would be checking the wild birds out. Wild Birds Unlimited in McKinney makes that so easy. They have all the seeds, all the feeds, all the feeders, bird books, binoculars. They have it all, and they have the knowledge and the enthusiasm. Many of the employees that Cheryl Miller, otherwise known as Birdie, has in her store, many of them have been with her for the five years since the store opened. It's a wonderful store. It's been selected twice as Store of the Year nationally. I think there are 175 stores. I don't know how many there are, but it's, it's somewhere up in that total. And so that's a significant recognition. You need to go in there. You'll see smiles. You will hear people talking birds. You will see a live stream from one of their customers' backyards. It's just a fabulous place. 
and they have every possible thing that you need to enjoy the wild birds to the maximum. One thing I would suggest that you do is spend a little time looking at the quality, evaluating the quality of the things that you're going to be buying from Wild Birds Unlimited, and you'll see the reason for uh, for the difference. It's just, it is so spectacular. Wild Birds Unlimited open Monday through Saturday. They're at 3001 South Harden Boulevard, just south of El Dorado Parkway, and that's uh, right south of the Tom Thumb Store, right beside Hallmark Cards. That's Wild Birds Unlimited in McKinney, 3001 South Harden Boulevard, just south of El Dorado Parkway. Wild Birds Unlimited. Something comes out. All the facts come out. All day. Update your day. It keeps you updated on what's going on. News Talk 820 WBAV at 99.5 FM HD2. 1983 was the year that Whiz-Q Stone founded, and they have just been getting better and better and better ever since. They are the largest stone yard that I've ever seen, probably the largest in the state of Texas, uh, certainly the largest in, in the Metroplex. Nice people, really nice to work with. It's a third-generation family business. Mike and Derek Wisnand own and operate now, father and son team, at 4501 East Loop 820 South in southeast Fort Worth, open Monday through Saturday. Go out sometime this spring while the weather's cool and, and take photos of what you're trying to uh, emulate, maybe something you've seen in a commercial landscape or a residential landscape and uh, that you really like that you want to duplicate in your own landscape. Uh, take uh, measurements of your own landscape and, and photos of where you're going to try to build this retaining wall or this patio or the walk or whatever it is. Make sure you have precise dimensions of it, and they'll help you. They'll help you choose the right stone, the quantity, and I'll tell you right now, it's going to be 10 or 15% overage because stone is not a precise, not, not like a jigsaw puzzle where you have 1,000 pieces. In stone, you need to have about 1,100 pieces because they don't all fit together properly. Trust me, that's the way it works, and you'll always find a use for those extra stones. Whatever the stone need you might have, Whiskey Stone can fulfill it, and you and they will do it with a smile. It's a fun experience. 4501 East Loop 820 South in Southeast Fort Worth, 817-429-0822, whiz-q.com. It's WhizQ Stone. News Talk 820, WBAP, 99.5 FM HD2, and WBAP.com. Neil Spray's eGardens is my free electronic newsletter that comes from my computer directly to your email, and that happens on Thursdays right after 6 p.m. There always are five stories in eGardens. It's like an old-fashioned garden section. One of those stories is always a featured plant of the week. One of those stories is always gardening this weekend, where I point out the things that need to be done in that weekend. And uh, then one of the stories has really grown a lot. It's our Q&A section, because now I allow you to send questions in, and I answer the eight or ten that are of most relevance to the gardeners of Texas. And so that works out beautifully. Then a couple of other stories. And we have three uh, writers, guest writers, who uh, supply a story every month. Diane Sitton from Southeast Texas. Stephen Shambley's coming right up with a story this week. And Steve Huddleston, whom you just uh, listened to about 30 minutes ago on my program uh, from the Fort Worth Botanic Garden. Steve will uh, be writing on featured plants that he knows and loves from his ex- uh, experiences. And so those are those are the things you find in eGardens. It is free. You can see what it looks like by going to where you sign up, and that's on my website. I will never spam you. I will never give or sell your email address to anybody. Take a look. Sign up. 
at neilsperry.com. And while you're on the website, click on the eGardens tab. Let the Texas Certified Nursery Professionals at your neighborhood Callaways help you. I'm Ginger with the South Lake Store. And now back to Neil. All right, Ginger, thank you very, very much. Let's go back to the phone lines now. We are going to Alan and Keller, as we promised to do, with Dr. George <laughs> Raymond Beecher. And uh, Alan has a, a question just right up the appropriate alley. Let's uh, go with it, Alan and Keller. How can George Ray help? Good morning, Neil and George. I've got a uh, systemic uh, tree and shrub insect drench, and I was wondering if it would be something that we'd use on uh, two peach trees and two apple trees. So my understanding is you have a peach tree and you want to use a product that is a systemic insecticide. Is that what you're saying? Yes, sir. Well, I'll tell you what, I'm not I'm not a big uh, fan of using systemics on fruit that we eat. So there are products you can use that last only one day like malathion. Then we have others like seven that last, you know, up to 12, mm-hmm. 12 14 days. Though they're spray-on products. Uh, you can wash them off, and you do know what the residual is, and I stay with those and stay away with the systemics. Now, you talk to Neil or someone else, they'll probably give you a direct answer. But, uh, <laughs> you know, some way, sometimes the easy way out is not the best way out. Well, that's true. And, I mean, I've sprayed my trees uh, twice so far this year. I sprayed them once with thermal oil and yes. uh, copper fungicide. And then... About 30 days later, I sprayed them again with the dormant oil and malathion this last time. Alan, I'm not any more of an entomologist than George Ray is. We both are trained as horticulturists. And so uh, I, I want to explain something. Mine, from a broadcaster's standpoint, and George Ray is from a person working with the, the government for a long time, not any longer, but... But there is a liability if we say something about a uh, about a product and you go out and you even get mildly sick, then there's that liability. But there's also the ethics of our feeling responsible for giving you a good answer and not wanting you to be sick. <laughs> but I will tell you just common sense. Here is my common sense answer to you. Uh, these companies do not go out of their way to – I'm speaking generically, not any one product in, in particular in mind, company or product. They – it is so expensive to prove uh, for that legal label that they put on a product that it will not, they're having to prove the negative, it will not hurt humans to put a systemic insecticide into the ground, through the tree, into the fruit, and it's not going to hurt the people that eat it. It is so millions and millions of dollars expensive to prove that that they don't even bother. It's not worth it. They can't make enough on that product to justify it and and especially when there are contact insecticides like george ray mentioned that can be used and are just about as effective and so that's why we all retreat back to the contact insecticides because we know what we have there there you can't use the word safe but they are a lot safer than than using the systemics i use systemics for crepe myrtle bark scale for other things but i'm not planning on going out and eating my crepe myrtle (laughs) <laughs> so that's the difference. I, I I would I would cringe at the idea of putting systemics around uh, tomatoes or or peach trees or anything of that sort. I understood, you know, and it's it's just not something that I've done before. You know, I've done Good. the traditional sprays, <laughs> and, and you need to stay there. 
Okay, that sounds good to me. I just wondered about yeah. it. I, I suppose I could use this on roses and stuff like that. That's what it's intended it. for. Yeah, yeah that's even what... that, I'm not real, you know, gung-ho on doing that. But, no, there's uh, nothing to worry about if it's used according to label directions. Believe me, those. Right. my dad worked with the companies on getting these labels. It's a long time ago, but even then yeah. it was a stringent process. Uh, if, mm-hmm. if you use it according to label directions, you're okay. And and so go for it. You'll be okay. All right. Just not on the edibles. You Thanks. betcha. Yeah, I, I always tell people to read the label carefully and, and follow those directions. They are there for a reason. And and it's amazing to me that, that so many people, it, it goes the other way on the uh, alleged organic products. They will use a household product and, and say, you can use that. It's good in the household. Well, you're you're using it in a way that's not intended to be used. And so how does that fall under any labeling? So I'm sorry, George, I'm horning in on your time. Let's go to Ethan in McKinney. You're on with George Ray McKeecher, and how can he help you? Yes, I, uh, I'm i very interested in uh, kind of different fruits, and I, I read that clove currants uh, have a range that, that extends down into Texas, and uh, I've tried Who to grow that? a couple uh, clove currants. Clove okay. currants. I have a, I have an answer, and Neil will remember of all the 41 years. I've, if you want to grow currants, you need to go home. That's in the okay. north. So we grow blackberries and we grow a few raspberries, but blackberries are our best uh, bramble crop for the hot south. Uh, currants do better, you know, in the north where it's cooler. Okay, so that would be why it, the leaves turn purple from the bottom and uh, kind of crept up and then dropped off. Does he think it was the heat? Well, I don't know. That may be an insect feeding on it. I don't know about the curly leaves falling off, if that has to do with the environment or not. Uh, but, you know, it's, it's, we, we have a, we, tonight, today, this morning on the show, we're going to go over the very best fruit varieties to grow in, in, you know, the North Dallas area. So we need to stay with those. When we start bringing in things that we are familiar with from other places, it's not necessarily where that crop wants to be grown. So currants falls into that category. Okay. All right. Well, I thought this one so might have been different. Hang with the show, and we'll get to our top ten list, and you can write those down. Or you can call or write Neil's show later. He'll have them listed. He always lists them on his uh, follow-up programs. Okay. Well, thank you very much. I appreciate it. Thank you, Ethan, for the call very much. Appreciate that. George Ray, I want to sneak in. I'll let me give the phone number again. It's 800-288-WBAP, 800-288-9227. A couple of questions that were written in on to my electronic newsletter, eGardens. Uh, Judy W., not giving a city, uh, says she had two peach trees she grew from seed, uh, one in a raised bed, the other in the lawn about 10 feet away. Will they bloom this year? I think they're, uh, I think, uh, yeah. Okay. Don't you, don't do that. That's not fair. They uh, are she's two in years. A hurry. She's they are in two. A hurry. No, they're two years old. Two years. She's waited two years. What? Oh wow. Yeah, two years. You, know, you are just not being kind. Okay. Okay. From this point on, you're going to hear George Ray McEachern. I will be quiet. So don't blame me. Go, George. <laughs> okay. Well, on the on the. Planting from seed, it takes a long time to go through a juvenile phase. 
some uh, some plants reach maturity and begin to bear early, like in five years. There are other t- plants that go all the way to 10 or 15 or 20 years before they begin fruit. The thing about planting a grafted tree from a nursery is if you plant a grafted tree rather than a tree grown from seed, the grafted tree will come into production in two or three years. That's if it's a grape, if it's a peach. Now, pears take a little longer, maybe five years, and pecans take maybe seven years. You have a little difference between types of plants, but it's best to buy a grafted tree. Another thing, the the grafted variety is usually selected for performance and quality to your local area. So go to a nursery, buy a grafted tree, and you'll be way ahead instead of uh, planting a tree from seed. Now, I will say on pecans, if you have no intention of ever harvesting the pecans and letting them be for nature, for squirrels and birds and so forth, you can plant a pecan tree from a seed. It will take forever to come into production, but in the long haul, it will be a stronger tree than a grafted tree. Okay. Um, peaches that you get in the grocery are likely brought in from a long ways away and may not even if they came true from seed, which they don't, uh, you wouldn't be getting a variety that was necessarily in the right chilling zone. Uh, the right, it might not ever have a chance to bear fruit in our area. Um, That's right. I have a I have a question for you that I don't know the answer to. Not not predicting an answer here. So I haven't seen a lot of new varieties of peaches in my now lengthy career in this industry. Uh, the That's varieties right. that we recommend have remained pretty much the same all the way through. Occasionally, there'll be a new variety here or there. Every 10 years, you'll get a new one on the recommended list. But uh, how does a new variety of peach get developed? Is it from a seed, uh, they plant 10,000 and, and select one, or is it uh, is it mutations, or where do they come from? Well, my major professor at LSU was one of the leading peach breeders in the United States, maybe even the world. And I was exposed to it. What we would do is we would go in and uh, collect the seed and then uh, uh, stratify the seed, plant the seed, and then plant literally thousands of seedlings in a in a garden row. It was in an orchard row, but they were two feet apart, you know, a thousand different ones. And Mr. Hawthorne would go down the line with a ribbon, three colors, white, red, and green. And if he found one that was junk, he would put a red ribbon on it, he'd pull it out. If he found one that was okay, he'd put a white ribbon. If he found one that was exceptional, he'd put a green, and he would save that. So with, say he had two, and the same thing is done by Dave Burns here at Texas A&M. If you go through and you have 2,000 seedlings this year, they may find eight that are worthy to look at for multiple years to see if they will eventually be named as a variety. And I would dare say that most peach breeders look at uh, look at a seedling for, you know, 10 to 15 years before they eventually name it. And only one out of many thousand ever gets named. So once you get a, a variety that's named like a June Gold or a Harvester or a La Feliciana, once you get one that's good enough to get a name, you have to realize that, uh, you know, 99.9% of the others were not near as good as that one. So mm-hmm. the probability of planting a seed in your yard and having it come up and be equal to these grafted varieties, it's one in many thousands. Yeah. Um, 
I don't know if you ever followed at all the crepe myrtle test that Dr. Don Egoff from the National Arboretum did back in the 70s. Uh, 300 plants, his his finalists, were uh, were sent to A&M, and, and Benny Simpson got 300 of them in, in Dallas. And wow. I watched Benny cull through those as, as Don Egoff would send lists down of the ones that had to be culled out uh, that he had deemed not to be suitable because they got powdery mildew. That's what he was looking for. He could have had wow. an orange crepe myrtle and he or a blue crepe myrtle, and he would have thrown it out if it had powdery mildew. He was that... Uh, uh, beady-eyed about well, it. I think and, and other diseases yeah. is a real good index. That the before they ever look at quality of the of the other components of the plant, mm-hmm. they will say, you know, literally call a thousand and save two. Yeah, but the two that they do save will take will naturally be resistant to powdery mildew or black rot or scab or whatever disease you're using. To analyze the variety so well as i recall now, we do have a problem we have fewer and fewer fruit and ornamental breeders at all of our land-grant institutions and mm. so we may end up doing like you said and staying with some of these older ones because we're not we don't have new ones coming on well and what's happening in the ornamental world i don't know about the fruit world i wouldn't be surprised if it's the same is that uh, the the growers, the wholesale growers, are introducing their own proprietary things in house that they say are the best thing going, and they prove not to be anywhere near as good as what we already had. <laughs> I was uh, to finish on Don Egoff uh, talking about how ruthless people can be about culling out things, and ruthless in a good way. He had two hundred thousand crosses and introduced, I believe, it was twenty nine out of those. Right. That's that right. is a real scientist. And uh, so that's what we need to give him credit for. Yeah, All right, I have another. One out of a th- that's one out of a thousand. That's a good index. Yep, that's exactly right. Another question before I take a break. Janet M. in Royce City, why does nectarine tree drop all its fruit? I have a small four- or five-year-old nectarine that has developed beautiful fruit. When they get about the size of an egg, they simply drop to the ground. This happened the last two years. Tree was purchased uh, locally from a tree farm. It's in black clay although amended a good bit. Any ideas how to prevent it with a nectarine? Well, it's a really good thing that they fall off because uh, all of our stone fruits, our uh, nectarines and our peaches, and to a degree our plums, shed 99% of the fruit because they produce a 1,000 times more than what they should produce. The, the interesting story is that my wife used to come out to our peach offered and say, Wow, you hadn't knocked enough off the ground. A good index is if your ground is solid green, when you're knocking the fruit off or when the fruit are falling off, you're in good shape. If they're not, you need look at the limbs. And as you have nectarines, if there is, uh, you know, two nectarines per shoot, it's a good-sized crop for healthy production. If you have 10 nectarines per shoot, you have to knock eight of them off with a a bumper stick or a piece of foam, something like that, to, you know, to get the crop load at the right level. If you overcrop, it will kill the nectarine tree or the peach tree. George Ray, nectarines are more prone to the, the problems that peaches have because they don't have the, the fuzz. They're just fuzzless the fuzz, peaches, isn't that right? Brown rot, black rot, all the diseases of the fruit are greater with nectarines. You know, there's some people that like 
I'm amazed that people buy nectarines that they're even available in the store, but some people, you know, they just don't like fuzz. <laughs> yeah, gotcha. All right, we'll come back. Uh, we have a line open if you'd like to call, 800-288-WBAP. Don't, uh, don't miss this chance to talk to the state's best on fruit and pecans. Dr. George Ray McEachin, uh, Professor Emeritus, Texas a and University, 800-288-WBAP, 800-288-9227. Neil Spray's Lone Star Gardening is my book. I have put it on sale at $36.95. Uh, that is just to help everybody in these economic times. It's a hardback, 344 pages, 840 of my photographs. Printed in Texas, it covers every county in this great state. In the 11 chapters that cover lawns, trees, shrubs, vines, ground covers, annual and perennial flowers, and fruit and vegetables. Those are lengthy chapters, and I worked harder, longer, and harder on those two chapters than any other chapters in the book. Chapter 2 is that 48-page calendar of when to do everything in your landscape, lawn, and garden. Now, for a limited time, $36.95. Your satisfaction is completely guaranteed, or I'll refund every penny. I sign every copy as it sells, and for that reason, the book is not in stores, and it's not on Amazon. Sitting in my garage, to be very frank, I'm going to be signing tonight before the game, and I'll be signing tomorrow, take them to the post office on Tuesday. And that's the way it works every week. Be more than happy to sign a book for you. You order it one of two ways. Uh, Again, it's not in stores, not on Amazon. Order it from my website, or you can call my office Monday through Friday. The phone number is 800-752-GROW, G-R-O-W, 800-752-4769. The better way, though, because you can do it right now and you can learn more about the book, is at neilsperry.com, N-E-I-L-S-P-E-R-R-Y.com, Neil Sperry's Lone Star Gardening. 